Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new session on my paranormal life. And I am not going to make you wait any longer and tell you that the very next paranormal investigative experience that I'm going to share with you is none other than Penhurst Asylum in Spring City, Pennsylvania, guys. Yeah, um, so I actually just recently, this is rather new. I know I told you I was going to try to go in order from like where it all began, like where my whole paranormal life started. Um, but this one kind of popped up. So since it's the freshest and I'm actually getting ready to go on another one, but that one you'll have to wait because this will be the second time I have been at the location that I'm going to get ready to go to this coming weekend. So stay tuned for that because that'll be probably long uh, series on that location. Yep, not gonna not gonna let you know, keeping you in suspense. But Penhurst, um, this was the very first time I had been there. Um, it was uh, for my birthday. Um, I've, I actually is not the first time that I have been to Penhurst. I'm lying to you guys. It's actually the first time I did an actual investigation at Penhurst. Um, when I went to Penhurst the first time, I actually utilized their haunted house. Um, I have come to feel a certain way about places doing this, but I know every single infamous paranormal location does this. They take, and it's, it's money, I understand, and I also understand that it preserves the history but I definitely don't feel right about these locations that um, do haunted houses within the location. And, and like I said, every single one does them. Uh, Moundsville does it. Uh, Eastern State Penitentiary does it. Um, Hillview Manor does it. Trans-Allegheny does it. Um, they do good things, though, for the, um, I guess, for the, the, the cities that they're in. And they do a lot of donating. and, and so there is good in it, but um, I just really hope that these places respect uh, the spirits that are left there, um, the ghosts that are left there. Uh, it's, I have been in these places, and one of them that I was in, uh, I felt that they kind of, the spirits kind of came to me and made me feel like, they feel like it's a mockery sometimes when they do these things. Um, sometimes you'll even hear of aggressive spirits in other locations like the, um, oh goodness, the Fear Factory. I don't know if you guys have ever heard Fear Factory, but there it's been known to be actually haunted. Um, but it is a, a haunted attraction all year round, I believe. And uh, it's definitely had its fair share of, of ugly, like, pulling of hair and biting and scratching kind of hauntings and typically stuff like that, you know, it's the D word. <laughs> so, um, it's just sad. I feel like it's, it, I'm so torn because I appreciate places like that because it allows me a connection to these infamous places that are known to be haunted and, but still respecting the presence of those that are ultimately stuck there to a point. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of how I feel about these places, but Penhurst, man, I will tell you they are, so if they, the way they conduct their tours, 
is any way like the way that they actually conduct the haunted house because the haunted house was very scary i will tell you i love a good jump scare i love being scared i love scaring people um so i think penhurst did a great job as far as their haunted house goes um i will tell you where they do their haunted houses though is not they like we were not allowed to enter those locations and I don't know if it's because props are always kept there or maybe because those are the spaces that really weren't too spirited, so to speak. Um, because then after I did the haunted house, we were able to do a little bit of exploring in the Mayflower building only. And Mayflower building is the one that is to be, you know, the most notoriously haunted building in Penhurst. And I was there with my husband and then my husband's cousin and his girlfriend at the time. And I just started taking a whole bunch of pictures of my phone. And then, oh my God, we're talking, this was probably 10 years ago. Um, I was obviously always involved and, and interested in the paranormal, but not to the extent where I am now, not to the point where I am, you know, actively trying to get my name out there. Uh, would like to eventually put together a paranormal society, a group that helps those in need. I have already, um, I do house cleansings now. Um, I do, you know, if someone feels like they need an energy out of their home or for me to connect with an energy and try to, you know, help them come to a happy medium in, in their home, I do that now. So I'm just trying to build a name for myself and grow in the paranormal community and I'm not looking to make it big. I'm not looking to be a star, but um, I definitely take my work seriously and I have a passion and I'm just running with it, which is why I felt drawn to do this series of my paranormal life, because I feel like I live in a paranormal world every day. Um, I think sometimes mediumship causes me to do that. I don't like maybe or, in, or, or being intuitive does that, but um, it's kind of forced upon me a lot <laughs> in a day's time and just naturally. So. Uh, I'm just following my path. And so with that being said, I was taking a whole bunch of pictures because uh, that's really all I knew to do then because I was feeling a little on, on edge in that building, which obviously now since I have grown in my, my learnings and, and my walk, um, it was because I was picking up on the energy in that place. And lo and behold, I was laying in bed that night after we came home and I caught one of the most creepiest uh, apparitions on photograph that I have ever seen in my entire life still to this day. I do have another one that has made me a little on, on edge that I've caught recently. Not really on edge, but it's kind of crazy how defined this spirit was. But this honestly looked like a very lanky man he was standing there in the doorway and he you could totally tell he had circle frames on and he almost had like a and i don't want to say this to like like almost like a dracula look to him kind of a gauntly like fangs and kind of like and to look at it back then i was like oh my god that looked like a demon you know why does that look like dracula but then as I like this time around when I went to Penhurst and I was doing investigation, um, I come to find out totally after because um, I waited till after to do any kind of snooping around with Penhurst. And I'll explain that here in a little bit. Um, but I come to find out there were two doctors. There was actually the superintendent and Dr. Fear, who um, actually they actually at Penhurst do not really want you even speaking his name uh, in there. 
um, and for reasons I will explain later as well. So now looking back 10 years on that picture, I totally feel like I caught the apparition of not Dr. Fear, but of the superintendent, which was really crazy because this is not the first time that for some odd reason he has shown himself and connected to me. So this time going to Pennhurst, uh, which was just back uh, beginning of August, end of July, beginning of August, right around my birthday. So my birthday gift from my hubby. And um, yeah, it's kind of funny. Him and I were talking and he was like, you know, I remember when you wanted like a Louis Vuitton or a coach bag or, you know, because I am a girly girl. But he's like, I remember those days where that's really what you wanted and like a nice dinner. And now we're like going to these <laughs> decrepit places <laughs> and just hanging out for the night, hoping that something strange happens. And I'm like, and I love that. Like, I really was so freaking that's the beauty behind a spiritual awakening, guys. And I don't want to get into that too much. But it's so crazy how much it will change you and totally for the better not saying that you can't enjoy the, the nice things in life but it doesn't define you and when you finally start grasping all of that that you know the world wants to shove down your throat it's so beautiful how your soul and your spirit just kind of opens up and you start like really being yourself and true to who you are and who I am is a little weird and I like that and I'm not for everyone but I'm finding so much like joy and excitement and passion and every single time I go out there and I go to these places like Penhurst. So back on, there we go, rabbit trails. You should just call me the rabbit from Alice in Wonderland because it's what I do all day every day. I guarantee you there's a listener out there that's probably like, damn, she really needs to go on some ADHD meds like stat. And you're probably not wrong, but um, accept me in my crazy. So the way that Penhurst did their tour, because how it started is when we arrived, we were put into certain color groups and they asked us, you know, what's your experience? What are you looking to get out of the evening? Like, what are your end goals? Which I appreciated that because they kind of, with answering those questions, put us in like-minded groups, which kudos. First time I've ever, you know, I've been to a lot of places and this is the first time anyone's ever done anything like this. So awesome off the bat. I really like, you know, the way that they're doing things. So then once we got our group color and we had a cool, like, keepsake bracelet that said, you know, that we survived an overnight at Penhurst. Um, they took us on a small history tour and explained to us all the buildings that went around. And upon departing the history tour, we got in our groups and then we were assigned a tour guide who was going to be with us all night long if we ever had any issues, any questions. And I thought that was great. And then the tour guide from that point, as we went to the various buildings, he gave, or she gave us a, um, a guy, like a paranormal guide of the location and then we had 45 minutes to investigate which really wasn't a long time like I felt like I didn't feel like we were rushed through by any means but I definitely wish I had more time in each location I'd have to say um so but I really did love the way that they did it and they were so respectful like during their tours they 
definitely told you stay away from the R word. And I am going to say it not for disrespectful purposes, but just so you know what I mean. So you are not allowed to say the word retarded. That was a disgrace that they, they are very adamant on that. They are very adamant on also, you know, not being, not provoking, no provocation whatsoever. The spirits there had been through enough. Um, and they also did not want you to use Dr. Fear's name, um, if at any way possible. Uh, those were the, a lot of, there was a lot of pain and suffering and unhappiness that went on in this location. When I tell you that this probably was the heaviest feeling location I have ever been in besides one, there was one other time where I felt the heaviness, the same heaviness. And I can't tell you where that was, but I'll explain it when that time comes, look at me. I'm so, I'm so secretive, so suspicious. I just don't want to give it all away. I like things to be surprises, but yeah, there was only one ever other time in my investigative career that I've ever felt a heaviness like I did at Pennhurst. And the sad thing is, is at Pennhurst, it's almost everywhere. It's almost everywhere. The sadness is almost everywhere. Um, so before I get into what had happened, and I know this is going to also be multiple segments, I'm going to tell you that right now. So I'm going to lay down some history about Pennhurst. I'm going to lay down what I did um, as far as my, how I decided I wanted to handle investigating Pennhurst. And then I'm also going to bring on my hubby. Uh, at a later episode because he, everyone knows if you've been listening, my hubby is a skeptic. Uh, he is very logical brain. Um, to boot, he's a Gemini. So that makes the logical brain even tougher for me to penetrate some days. Um, so I always, he enjoys going though. I think he enjoys like the history and the exploring aspect and um he's a tech guy i am not a techie we all know i'm not a techie girl uh so it's great to have those people with me like my husband and then his friend which aka my adopted child bailey um he went along as well another guy super techie great i got two of you to help me with the tech stuff so i can just focus on what i do um, because those two, now I did find out, um, that Bailey is slightly sensitive. Uh, he does see things. So that was pretty cool to find out. He kind of opened up to me a little bit on all that. So I was like, all right, well, by faith, I'm going to believe you and I am going to utilize you. Uh, so, and I kind of gave him a rundown of what I wanted him to, to do and how I did investigations, you know, and I had to do the same for Nate. There's a certain way I approach things and there's a certain way I don't approach things. Um, we, we do no conjuring. We don't, we don't provoke. We don't uh, ask anything that is unholy or ungodly to make itself known. Um, if I go into a location and I know that possible witchcraft or um, I shouldn't say witchcraft because possible demonic rituals let's put it that way because i feel like witchcraft gets a bad name um i myself i can't say that i what i believe in i just say the basis of witchcraft gets a bad name i don't think it's of the devil 
personally, but we're, that's a whole other Easter egg to talk about. Um, yeah. So where was I going with all that? See ADH brain again. Oh my goodness. My son. I'm no, sorry, Peter. Like hey, like hey, 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 I'm doing my, I'm doing my podcast. Can you like, are, can you just, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Love you. Love you. I'm sorry, guys. I figured you could use a laugh because you know what? I'm a real mom and I'm always needed and on call 24 flipping seven. And I just so happen to uh, forget to turn my phone on silent. So my bad, my apologies. Anyway, um, yeah, so Bailey was, I was giving him the rundown and then hubby's already been to a few other ones with me. Um, the ones that he has been on as a skeptic, I will be bringing him on. I am going to tell you, I, he is still a self-proclaimed skeptic, but I think I have left, he has had a few experiences with me that has left him scratching his head. So, and some days that's all I can ask for with a skeptic. When, when you can't explain it, when science can't explain it and logic can't explain it, well then it's paranormal folks. So, and that's what I live for. I live for the moments where he is like, and he had one of those moments here at Pennhurst, and I, that to me will forever be probably one of my most favorite moments. Um, so I'm excited for him to, you know, do this with me as a skeptic and you get to hear a skeptic's point of view on a situation that was a little like, what? I live for the, those moments. But let me give you a little bit of a history rundown about Penn, Pennhurst State School and Hospital. So we know it today is Pennhurst Asylum. That has never been the name of it. Um, Pennhurst Asylum is actually the haunted house attraction um, that has kind of um, became what Pennhurst is. So Pennhurst initially was known as Eastern Pennsylvania State Institution for the Feeble-Minded and Epileptic. Um, it was also known as Pennhurst State School and Hospital. So Pennhurst Asylum has only been the haunted house attraction name. It is located in Spring City, Pennsylvania. Um, it's about, I think we were about a two hours out from, from Pennhurst, I believe. Not a bad drive, honestly, um, depending upon, I guess, where you're coming from. I mean, if you're coming from PA around me, um, not a bad drive. I guess if you fly out or you're driving further, I don't know how dry your drive will be. But for me, two hours, it was great. Um, so it was in operation for 79 years, and it finally closed its doors December 9th of 1987. And I'm pretty sure most people are not ignorant to the history of Pennhurst State School. Um, it definitely was a place where there was a lot of malpractice, malnourishment, um, neglect, torture. Uh, and, and for people who couldn't defend themselves. And that was such a shame. Uh, obviously, I'm sure most of you know, and if you don't, of the documentary and what ultimately caused Pennhurst to be shut down was the Suffer the Little Children uh, 
segment that the local news did on Pennhurst. And it was, it exposed basically everything for what it was. And I commend that gentleman who, and I don't remember the name of him, unfortunately, who was the, the broadcaster, but the news anchor. But I mean, he was there for five days, I believe, and did different, um, segments. I think it was like five different segments. Bill Baldini. I had to look it up because it was bothering me. Bill Baldini in 1968. He did a, <clears throat> yes, the five part that was anchored by a local news station. And basically it was showing how dirty the place was, how violent the fact that there was grown people chained to their beds um, because they were severely um, understaffed and overpopulated. There would be rooms that would be in like, just have mass amounts of people staying in it. Um, and Time Magazine, actually in 1981, the year I was born, did a article about Penhurst and how, you know, understaffed and dirty and violent yet again, you know, years later. So we, we, in 1968, it kind of exposed it and got the ball rolling, but still here in 1981, you know, it, it things were still going on, which just is heartbreaking to me. That was, that's 20 some years almost. And still, you know, why did it take our government so long to see what a horrible place this was. And, you know, 1983, nine employees were indicted on charges from slapping and beating, you know, patients, even that patients that were in wheelchairs that couldn't defend themselves. Or, you know, there was even allegations that were, they, some nurses, some staff would actually peg patients, you know, mentally ill patients against one another to have a fight you know, to assault each other. And that's just absolutely horrible. Absolutely horrible. So when I tell you that you need to, when you go here and you feel this heaviness, if you are an intuitive like me, a psychic intuitive, it was so overwhelming. And so I want to give you a little bit more history, but I'm going to start on my experience in part two, I will start off in explaining exactly how my experience with Penhurst started. And um, yeah, so, but basically you could go, you could, anyone could go to Penhurst. If you were slightly autistic, like my son, like that's what I was explaining to my son. My son is on the autism spectrum. He is high functioning, but he is on the autism spectrum. Can you imagine how brokenhearted someone like that? Because back then they viewed, if you had a child that was like that, they viewed you as tainted in the community, that there was something, there was a curse put on your family. Um, and so a lot of people would actually lock these children in their attics or the families 
would dump them off at places such as Pennhurst and never see them again. Could you imagine, you know, these, these are souls, these are people all because they cannot maybe communicate or speak or um, have no means of communicating with you. They still recognized you. And in their mind, you don't know what they knew. You don't know what they were thinking and were aware of and not aware of, you know? And to me, there was just so much heartbreak of, you know, abandonment and which obviously would have led to so much grief, grief and anger and confusion. And yeah, it was just, oh, just, just heartbreaking, honestly. So within the four years that it opened, so November 23rd, 1908, Pennhurst opened with patient number one admitted into the hospital. And within four years of operation, it was already overcrowded. That's insane. Not only did they house the, the feeble-minded, but they also housed immigrants, orphans, and criminals. So this wasn't just a safe haven for the mentally ill. There were criminals housed. So if someone went and pled insanity, this is where they would be instead of prison. So how would places like this not start to have a dark history. And, you know, not only that, but then you have orphans, little children, children who were perfectly fine, like you and me, that had nowhere else to go because it was a state school. So basically this whole idea that it was for the feeble-minded and epileptic totally went out the door. If you, if you were an immigrant and you didn't have a place to stay, if you were an orphan that was abandoned by your family, or you were a criminal to pled clinically insane, maybe just to get off and are of total sound mind. And you were just using that. So you didn't go to prison and you went to a school like this. Not that this was any better than prison. I have to tell you that because if you watch just five minutes of suffer the little children, you'll realize maybe prison looks a little more cushy than a place like Penhurst. And that is so sad. It's so sad that our government back then thought that this was an acceptable way to handle the mentally ill. And it just absolutely broke my heart, the absolute injustice that our government system did um, to, to these poor patients. So basically... In a nutshell... Penhurst was the saddest location I have ever been in as far as a whole location. Um, Cause like I said, the other experience I had, it wasn't the whole location. It was just one area. This was the whole gamut. As we walked around, um, it was very hard for me to breathe everywhere I went. And I think it was just the pressure and the anxiety that was permeating that place. You'd have to think the patients would be on edge 24-7. The history behind Penhurst is so dark. It actually was the superintendent of Penhurst was friends with Adolf Hitler's, um, oh, what was he? He was a professor, I believe. There was a professor that was friends with Adolf Hitler that actually was friends with the superintendent at Penhurst. And the way that Penhurst was set up was basically very similar to Nazi Germany. They did not want women and men 
had to be separated because they did not want them to procreate because they seen mentally ill people as a uh, menace to society, basically. Um, so there was segregation. There was also um, punishment as far as like the, the being chained to the bed and beatings. And if, if you didn't do what you needed to do, um, mass amounts of sedations. Um, so knowing that Penhurst was basically based off of Nazi Germany. Um, yeah, that's where the inspiration came from. That should just tell you a lot. If people bit too much, because sometimes biting was the only way they could get across. They were nonverbal. If they bit, all their teeth were ripped out. They would be taken down to the dentist immediately if they would bite anyone and they would have all of their teeth removed. Um, and sometimes they would do it in a painfully torturous way and not even applying enough proper amounts of anesthesia and numbing solution. Um, yeah, so brutal, brutal. So when I tell you that this was a horrible place filled with a lot of pain and a lot of torture. And if you ever investigate there, I just asked you, please handle Penhurst with, with kid gloves, please. Um, do not go in there and provoke the spirits. They honestly have been through enough. I felt it. I noticed it. I seen it. I experienced it. And I will be looking so forward to explaining everything that I was blessed to witness and experience in part two, guys. So I'll be looking so forward to uh, talking to you guys and creating part two for you and hang out and learn a little bit more about Penhurst. It is a very sad place, but um, definitely worth the listen and worth the experience going. God bless.